Shalom and welcome to the Jewish mind where the growth of modernity meets timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The Passover Seder is connected with the number four in many ways. For example, in the Passover Haggadah we speak of the four sons, the wise, the wicked, the simpleton, and the one who doesn't know how to ask. There are also, of course, the four cups of wine, for which our sages give different reasons. The basis of all the different reasons is the four different terminologies of redemption that the Torah uses for the Exodus. I'll quote to you the verses in which these four terminologies of redemption are found. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Vehoseti, and I will take you out from under the burdens of Egyptian. Number one. Vehitzalti, and I will save you from their labor. Number two. Vigoalti, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with great judgments. Number three. Vilokachti, and I will take you to me as a people. Number four. And I will be a God to you, and you will know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The difference of opinions is concerning what the four termi different terminologies are referring to. A. Simply speaking, the verses are speaking of the exodus from the Egyptian exile. As our sages explain, that four different terminologies of redemption are referring to the exodus from Pharaoh's four decrees upon the Jewish people, for which the four cups of wine at the Seder was instituted. Let's go over the four different decrees that Pharaoh placed upon the Jewish people. Number one, and I quote the verse, So they appointed over them tax collectors to afflict them with their burdens. Number two, so the Egyptians enslaved the children of Israel with back-breaking labor. Number three, so on that day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall not continue to give stubble to the people to make the bricks like yesterday and the day before yesterday. Let them go and gather stubble for themselves. But the number of bricks they have been making yesterday and the day before yesterday, you shall impose upon them. You shall not reduce it. And the fourth and final decree, And Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the Nile. So these are the four different decrees, which according to the first opinion, it's about these four decrees, the redemption of these four decrees, that we have the four terminologies of redemption in the verses for which we instituted the four cups of wine by the Seder. Another opinion is that the four terminologies of redemption are referring to the four kingdoms under which the Jewish people are to be exiled, as alluded to in the prophecy of Daniel. The four kingdoms is the Babylonian, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Rome is considered the final exile that we are in now, from which Mashiach will redeem us. 
So there you have the two opinions, whether it's all about Egypt and the four decrees that Pharaoh decreed upon the Jewish people in Egypt, or whether it's about the global four exiles that the Jewish people would have to be under until Mashiach comes. Then there's a third opinion that in essence these two opinions are not arguing. Rather, both are true as they refer to two different dimensions of the four cups of wine. This last opinion is actually how the Holy Zohar views the matter. As the Zohar explains that the four terminologies of redemption refer to the four times that we say the word true in our morning prayers in the blessing after the Shema prayer. However, there are actually eight times that we say the word true in the blessing after the Shema prayer. Four are in the first paragraph of the blessing and four in the second paragraph of the blessing. So there's really eight. Our sages teach us that the four times that we say true in the first paragraph refers to the four redemptions of the four degrees of Pharaoh from the exile of Egypt. And the four times it says true in the second paragraph refers to the four redemptions from the four kingdoms under which the Jewish people will be exiled. Thus we see that the Zohar, which speaks only of four times saying the word true, really sees two layers to the four terminologies of redemption for which the four cups of wine at the Passover Seder was instituted. Our sages teach us that redemption is connected to teshuva. Teshuva means returning, repentance. And therefore, just as there are four layers of redemption, so too must there be four layers of teshuva. The four layers of teshuva are connected with the four letters of the ineffable tetragrammaton name of God. Those four letters are the letter Yud, the letter He, the letter Vav, and again the letter He, which are in turn connected with the four declarations of true of the blessing after the morning Shema, as we are taught that God's name is true, truth. Thus, what we are here to explore in this lecture are the four levels of Teshuvah which will bring us to the four levels of redemption, including the final redemption of the fourth exile. However, I would like to divert for a moment from the mystical teaching to discuss this on the level of relationships, for ultimately Teshuvah is all about having a true, intimate relationship with God. If we can understand the four quadrants of a relationship as they are explained in Kabbalah and Hasidis, then we can understand the intimacy of Teshuvah. So let's talk about a quadrant. A quadrant is used in geometry and is, I'm going to quote, the axis of a two-dimensional Cartesian system dividing the plane into four infinite regions called quadrants, each bounded by two half-axes. So that's what it is in geometry. Basically, for our purpose of understanding what I call the four quadrants of a relationship, 
it is of two specifics, each divided into two. In a relationship, these are the two individuals within a relationship, and within each of the two individuals, there are the two of the relationship. Okay, let's understand this. Let us say that there is a Mr. A and Mrs. A in a relationship. For the relationship to be truly wholesome, not only must there be a Mr. A and a Mrs. A, can't have a relationship with yourself, well, you could, but that's not what we're talking about. Rather, there must also be within Mr. A himself the Mr. A, and there must also be within Mr. A a Mrs. A, or see it as a space for Mrs. A within Mr. A, or else there can be no true relationship between Mr. A and Mrs. A. The same must exist with Miss A, that there is a Miss A within Miss A, and there is a Mr. A, or see it again as a space within Miss A for a Mr. A, or there can be no true relationship between Mr. A and Mrs. A. Thus, you have the four quadrants of a relationship, which are A, Mr. A within Mr. A, B, Mrs. A within Mr. A, C, Mrs. A within Mrs. A, and D, Mr. A within Mrs. A. We'll explain all of this. In the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, all four of these quadrants actually exist within the one person of the relationship. So it isn't two within Mr. A and two within Mrs. A. Now we're saying that actually all four have to exist within Mr. A and within Mrs. A. As the person himself must accept all four layers of the relationship. It is especially so when we are speaking of the relationship between a person and God that all four quadrants of a relationship exist and must be worked on within the person himself as we will soon explain. The way that we work through the four quadrants of a relationship is through the four layers of Teshuvah which then brings about the four layers of redemption into our life. Now I want to point out that in the works of Kabbalah and Hasidus, teshuva is not something we do only to clean up our past mistakes and sins. Rather, teshuva is also about overcoming the human finite imperfection and returning to our soul's original primordial state of oneness and closeness to God. This latter teshuva of returning to our primordial state of oneness and closeness to God, this latter teshuva itself is the depth of the Yom Kippur experience in which we first begin with what the verse says and the spirit returns to God. The name God over here is Elohim which is the lower name of God. And from there then we reach the next verse which says and you will return to the Lord. Over here we're using the ineffable tetragrammaton, the highest name of God. Until we reach the teshuva level of the next verse, which is, Before the Lord you shall be cleansed from all your sins. Which is defined as the word before the Lord, emphasizing that it is before and above 
even the ineffable tetragrammaton name of the Lord rather it is reaching into the essence of God beyond any name of God thus what we see from these verses is that the heart and soul of teshuva in its greatest heights is not about cleaning up the spilled milk of sin or fixing the spiritual stains and holes created by sin as much as it is about entering into the depths and heights of having the most intimate relationship with God. One last introduction that we need to make before we explore the four quadrants of a relationship is about the concept of truth. Many of us are brought up with the linear notion of there being only one truth. The linear notion is based upon that if this is true, then everything that disagrees or differs than the true this can't be true. However, in the circular realm, which you can choose to see as an onion of one circular layer upon another, there is more than one truth in which one truth can disagree and differ from another truth. This circular multi-truth isn't just about the evolution of the finite evolving human in which yesterday's truth sheds away before today's greater comprehension of truth. Rather, the circular multi-truths exist within the spiritual realm of God as well. God told Moses, and I quote a verse, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob with the name Almighty God, but with my name, the ineffable Tetragrammaton, I did not become known to them. Now upon this verse, Rashi comments, What does it mean? It means that I was not recognized by them with my attribute of truth. Hmm. So what God is saying to Moses is that he did not reveal truth of himself to the patriarchs? Now, most definitely what God did reveal himself as to the patriarchs was true. However, in this circular realm, there is more than one truth. Even in the presence of the infinite, where a person breaks out of all his linear finite limitations, and bursts forth into the infinite experience of oneness with God, there are more than one truth. Thus, teshuva, which is about the human breaking free from his finite limitations, has more than one truth. Now, we can go on to explore the four layers of truth in teshuva. We mentioned before that the four truths of Teshuva are connected with the four letters of God's ineffable name. The four letters are, we said, the letter Yud, the letter He, the letter Vav, and again the letter He. These four letters, in their very physical shapes, describe to us the four layers of the spiritual evolution through which we are provided with sustenance. The letter Yud is a simple dot, the first point of conception, after which comes the first He, which is the two-dimensional expansion. Then comes the letter Vav, which is a line downward, drawing down the sustenance. However, in drawing down the sustenance, we again return to the Yud point, from which the line comes down, 
Thus the shape of a vav is a yud on top with a line coming down. After which, we now have the second hay, which is the two-dimensional expansion of the life sustenance as it is already down here. What we can also now understand from this is what I mentioned before, that the four quadrants are two individuals in which each divide into two. The first two letters, the Yud and the He, are the way this sustenance exists above, in the giver, while the last two letters, the Vav and the second He, are the way the sustenance exists here below, in the receiver. Now I also mentioned that in the deeper essence, both individuals, the giver and the receiver, exist within each of the individuals, so that all four quadrants really exist within each of us, the one individual of the relationship. So, let us explain the four letters of God's name as they all exist within each of us, and as they all exist within God. The first two letters represent the higher intellects, the giver, and the latter two letters represent the lower emotions, the receiver. More specifically, the dot and point of the Yud is the one creative, all-inclusive flash of wisdom, while the two-dimensional He expansion of understanding is the extrapolation of all the details hidden within the one all-inclusive flash of wisdom. The line drawing downward from the giving intellects is the six male emotions, also represented in the letter Vav being the sixth letter of the alphabet, the Aleph Bet. After which, there is again the two-dimensional expansion of the second He, which is the seventh emotion, the feminine mystique of Malchut, kingship. So now you see how all four actually exist within each person the intellects and the emotions. This also makes clear the point that I previously mentioned, that within each of the individuals there are both individuals. In the first two letters, wisdom and understanding, wisdom is the giver and understanding is the receiver. So too it is in the latter two letters, six male emotions and kingship. The six male emotions are the giver and kingship is the receiver. We're going to explain all of this very clearly. You now see how the four quadrants of a relationship are truly one wholesome picture in which each is compiled and is a reflection of the other, fully allowing for the ultimate intimate oneness in a relationship. And so it is in our teshuva intimate relationship with God in which we work each of the four quadrants. The four quadrants of Teshuva are the four statements in the verse of Psalms that says, Turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. The first quadrant of Teshuva is, turn away from evil. The second is, and do good. The third is, seek peace. The fourth is, and pursue it. Okay, let's go through each one. The first truth of Teshuva is turn away from evil. The first quadrant of teshuva begins with understanding the verse of Isaiah which says, But your iniquities were separating between you and between your God. 
The word used for your God in the verse is Elokechem. In Hebrew, the suffix chem is possessive plural, your. So Elokechem means your God. What is amazing is that there is no other name of God that could ever be used in the possessive form that we possess God in the sense that he is ours, Elokeinu. Kabbalah and Hasidus explain this phenomenon, how come with this name we could use it in the possessive tense. The name Elohim is the name of contraction. Therefore, it is only the name of Elohim in which the infinite circular light is contracted into a finite linear light that this name can become digested to the point of possessiveness that we can call God Elokeinu, our God, and that the verse can call God Elokechem, your God. Isaiah is telling us that the only thing that can separate us from digesting and becoming one with the linear permeating light of God is our sins. Our sins deny us from having an intimate oneness with God. Let us understand this intimacy that is being denied to us by our own actions of sins. Our sages tell us, Rabbi Yochanan said, Wherever you find the power of the Holy One, blessed be He, you also find His humility. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, this means that was it not for God's humility, meaning that were it not for God contracting Himself, we would never have found His greatness, meaning that we would never be able to intimately know or to connect with God. So God puts Himself through an attraction so that we can have an intimate relationship with Him and instead, through our sins, we neglect God and we separate ourselves from having an intimate relationship with God. Let us even better understand this level of intimacy that God is giving us and that we are desecrating this gift of intimacy that God is giving us. God putting Himself through a contraction in order to have an intimate relationship with us is not just a one-step contraction and concealment of God's infinite greatness. Rather, in the Holy Temple, you actually find 13 different curtains and walls, each representing an even deeper level of concealment. There is a separation between the Holy of Holies and the Holy, and in between the Holy and the Courtyard, and so on. All of these concealments are to serve but one purpose, that God be able to intimately permeate all the levels of holiness and even the mundane. However, what was not supposed to happen is that God intimately connects with evil. Now when a Jew performs a sin, being that the Jew has within him a soul which is from the second hay of the name of God, he then draws God into an intimate relationship with evil, which then conceals God from having an intimate relationship with the person's soul. Thus, not only do we disrespect all that God does in order to have an intimate relationship with us, rather, through sin, the person abuses God by bringing God as a prisoner 
forcing God into an intimate relationship with God's arch enemy, evil. This finite, finite permeating light is the last letter of God's name, the second He. So the first truth of Teshuvah is to return the letter He of God's name back to God. This is the first meaning of the word Teshuva, which is made up of two words, Tashuv He, return the He, the letter He. Now the way that this Teshuva is done is by turn away from evil. Simply speaking, this means that the person stops dragging God, the soul within the person, the letter He of God's name, into an intimate relationship with evil. This then removes the separation that Isaiah is talking about between the finite permeating light of Elokechem and us. The outcome of this first truth of Teshuvah is that we now have an intimate relationship with the finite permeating light of God. Let us now go to the second truth of Teshuvah, which is, and do good. Now that we have an intimate relationship with the finite permeating linear light of God, our next truth of Teshuvah is to develop an intimate relationship with the infinite encompassing circular light of God. How can we accomplish this? The second phrase of the verse, do good, refers to the mitzvot, the commandments of the Torah. On its simplest level, a mitzvah is the will of God. Studying the Torah in order to know what God wants is about intellect, studying, understanding. This level of intellect is a finite permeating experience in which the person studying the Torah absorbs and digests the intellectual concepts. Will, unlike intellect, is an encompassing faculty. At the core essence of wanting something, there is no reason why we want it, as much as that we simply want it. Spiritually speaking, this means that will is not a linear permeating faculty, there is no reason, rather it is an encompassing faculty. What this means to us here is that by performing a mitzvah, we connect with the infinite encompassing circular light of God, which is the will of God that lay at the core of every commandment of God. This is the letter Vav, which is the six male emotions, because the soul of an emotion is the faculty of will, what we want and what we don't want. Thus, the circular truth of Teshuva is to have an intimate relationship with the will of God, which is the infinite encompassing circular light of God. This is the second truth of Teshuva. This truth of Teshuva is done by simply embracing the will of God and doing the will of God, which are God's commandments to us, and do good. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and reflect upon what we said before, that the latter two letters of God's name, the Vav and the second He, are about the receiver of the divine light as it is down here. What this means is, that the first two truths of Teshuvah that we perform 
as we ascend from below to above is called the lower teshuva and we are primarily focused on our experiencing our having intimacy with God the receiver it's about the focusing on us now the difference between the two truths of the lower teshuva which is the third truth and the fourth truth is that the teshuva of the last letter the second hey is the experience of the teshuva returning while the teshuva of the letter vav is the experience of the baal teshuva literally master of teshuva returnee what this means on a mystical level is that the second hey is the feminine mystique which is the recipient while the letter Vav, which is the male emotions, are the giver, who brings all of that which is above him to the recipient. Now the word Baal Teshuva, Baal means master of, also means husband. A husband is called a Baal, as the provider to the wife. This is why the Holy Zohar refers to the first truth of Teshuva as Teshuva, the recipient of Teshuva, while the Zohar refers to the second truth of Teshuvah as the Baal, husband of Teshuvah, the giver, provider of Teshuvah. That's Kabbalistically. Let us try and understand this on a practical level. The primary experience of a human being is his emotions. What a person knows doesn't define who he is, nor does it truly define how he will act. The thoughts, speech, and actions of a person are the reflection of what he feels far more than they are the reflection of what he knows. Thus, to truly provide the person, the second hey, the kingship of a person, which are the thoughts, speech, and actions of a person, to truly provide the person is to bring to the person an emotional experience. Therefore, the thoughts, speech, and actions are the recipient of Teshuvah, while the emotions are the Baal, the husband, the provider of Teshuvah. Now let us go back to the third and fourth truth of Teshuvah. The third truth of Teshuvah is seek peace. Before I introduce to you the Torah as the book of mitzvot, in which the purpose of Torah study is only in order to know what one must do and what one is prohibited to do. This is not the higher dimension of Torah study. The higher dimension of Torah study is for the sake of Torah knowledge in itself. The intimacy here in this higher dimension of Torah study is to deeply know God. We are taught that God wrote the Torah 2,000 years before the world was created. What this Kabbalistically means is that the Torah was not written as a constitution for civilization. Rather, the Torah is called God's delight. The great intimacy of this is in understanding God's delight in truly and intimately knowing God. Our sages teach us that Rabbi Alexandri said, he who studies the Torah for its own sake, which means for the love of learning Torah without ulterior motives, makes peace in the upper family, i.e. the angels, and the lower family, men, as it is written, 
or let him take hold of my strength, which is the Torah, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, the upper family isn't the angels, it is the infinite encompassing circular light. And the lower family isn't man, it is the finite permeating linear light. The power of the Torah is that it brings peace and it unites the two paradoxical lights. The Torah can do this because it in itself is from a far greater light than the two paradoxical lights. And therefore, they both stay, stand humbled and as naught before this third greater light, and thus they can be united. Simple parable. The parable given for this is the way two paradoxical ministers stand before the king in the throne room. The total humility of the ministers as they stand before the king gets their polar opposites and differences out of the way and they can be peacefully united. Now this concept of the Torah being the greater light, the king, before which opposite lights, the ministers, can unite as one, is expressed in the verse. And I'm going to quote to you the verse. For a Lord of thoughts is God. Kel deot Hashem. The plural tense of the word deot, thoughts, opinions, is defined as the higher opinion of the infinite circular encompassing light and the lower opinion of the finite linear permeating light. What are these two opinions? The higher opinion is that God created nothing out of something. What this means is that above spirituality is something and we are nothing. That's the higher opinion. The lower opinion is that God created ex nihilo, God defies anything that we can define as a something. Thus, we call God Nihilo, and we are a something. Now, these two opinions make peace and coexist before the king, Kel Deot, the God of opinions, which we connect with by studying Torah for its own sake. That's what makes the peace between the two opinions. This is the teshuva of the first hay, which is the intellect of understanding, which we accomplish through the selfless study of Torah. Through, through this truth of teshuva, we have now entered into the higher two quadrants, in which we are now stepping out of our own capacity and points of reference, entering into the throne room where paradoxical opposites coexist before God. This is why it has to be a Torah study, not for our sake of knowing what we must or mustn't do. Rather, it must be a selfless Torah study, wanting to know God and God's delights. The fourth truth of Teshuva, which is in the verse, and pursue it. The fourth truth of Teshuva is the first letter of God's name, the Yud, which is wisdom. This layer of teshuva is seen sometimes as superior fear, which is a deep sense of shame before God. Not the unhealthy shame based upon feeling one's guilt and inadequacy, but rather it is the healthy shame of standing before total greatness. It is a form of healthy intimidation and timidness 
that is appropriate within a relationship between a person and God Almighty. Now sometimes this layer of teshuva is seen as the superior love, which is mystically called love of the lights, where the person's delight of being a in a relationship with God can lead to the ultimate experience of craving, yearning, and longing to be one with God, in which the person dies, as the soul can no longer contain itself within a body. This is the ultimate experience of, and pursue it, beyond any limitations. Now whether this truth of Teshuva is seen as superior fear or as superior love, the underlying point is, that the focus here is completely not upon the recipient, the person, but solely upon the giver, God. In the third truth of Teshuvah, even though in general this too is of the higher Teshuvah, which is focused on the giver, nevertheless in the third truth of Teshuvah, the recipient feels itself within his focusing on the giver, on God. Now in the fourth truth of the teshuva, the recipient, the person, totally loses himself in the focus. And the focus is completely and entirely solely upon the giver, God. The total loss of self is expressed in the simple dot that makes up the letter Yud, which is the same as a simple all-inclusive single flash of wisdom. This truth of Teshuvah is done with total release of self, allowing ourselves to selflessly get lost in His focus on God and to negate our own feelings and our own comfortable boundaries of our feelings, allowing for the total submission of self and the total permeation of God. Now I want to stop again for a moment to discuss these two layers of the higher teshuva as they represent the two dimensions of teshuva that the recipient of returning and baal teshuva master husband the giver of teshuva the third truth of teshuva the letter hey of god's name and the intellect of understanding is the recipient of higher teshuva while the fourth truth of Teshuva, the letter Yud of God's name, and the intellect of wisdom, is the giver of higher Teshuva. Kabbalistically speaking, this means that the all-inclusive drop and flash of wisdom creativity is the giver to the uterus of understanding, in which all the details of wisdom is extrapolated into a fully formed child of intellect. So thus you have it. Wisdom is the giver and understanding is the receiver. That's Kabbalistically. Let us try and understand this on a practical level. In our experiencing the other person in our relationship, we quite often get stuck. And instead of experiencing the other, we get stuck in only experiencing how the other experiences and relates to us. This simply means that we never completely get out of the way in order to be able to see who the other person is unto himself or herself, void of being in a relationship with us or as the other half of us. Yes, in the third truth of a relationship, we are thinking of the other person in our relationship. 
but we are precisely thinking about him or her as he is the other half of us. In the fourth truth, we completely lose ourselves and truly open up to seeing the other person for who they are unto themselves and not as he is our second half who is in a relationship with us. It's really completely about the other. Thus, in the third truth, we are thinking of the giver, the other person in the relationship, but we are thinking of him solely as he is our giver. And thus, this truth is the experience of the recipient of higher teshuva. It is in the fourth truth in which we totally lose ourselves that we are experiencing the giver of the higher teshuva. Now that we went through the four quatrams of teshuva, the four truths of teshuva, we can now return to the four terminologies of redemption in the verses and see how each reflects another truth of teshuva. The first terminology, Vehotseti, and I will take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The focus of this terminology of redemption is that we are redeemed from the burden. Now sin is the heaviness and the burden. As the verse in Isaiah states, Woe to a sinful nation, a people heavy with iniquity. Thus, through the teshuva of turn away from evil, which is the first truth of teshuva, we are taken out and redeemed from being under the heavy burden of evil. Let's go to the second terminology of redemption. And I will save you from their labor. The word Hatsala, which means to save, also is derived from the root word of Tzel, which means shade. In Kabbalah and Hasidis, shade refers to the infinite circular encompassing light. And the mystical insight of this terminology of redemption is that the Hatsala, the saving, is brought about by the Tzel, the shadow of the infinite circular encompassing light, which we connect with through doing the will of God by observing God's commandments. And thus, this truth of the Shuva is and do good. Let's go to the third terminology of redemption in the verse. They go alti, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Redeemed, the third terminology of redemption in the verse, speaks not only of the redemption from evil and slavery, Rather, it is talking about the redemption even of the limitations of holiness. This is what we spoke about in the third truth of Teshuva, that it is where we are now stepping out of our own capacity and points of reference, entering into the throne room where paradoxical opposites coexist before God. Thus, this is the meaning of and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. God is redeeming us from even the limitations of our holiness with His outstretched infinite arm. Let's go to the fourth and final terminology of redemption in the verse. Vela kachti, and I will take you to me as a people. The focus of this terminology is the word li, to me. 
The fourth truth of Teshuvah is where we allow ourselves to become completely lost and to become totally about Him, capital H, God. Thus, this truth is about the permanent redemption in which God takes us to be Li, to me, complete oneness with God. Let us complete this mystical lesson with returning to the Zohar that speaks of the four truths in the first blessing, which is really eight truths, four in the first paragraph and four in the second paragraph of the blessing. We explained that in essence there are two dimensions of four, the inner dimension and the outer dimension, which is also defined as the higher dimension and the lower dimension. We explained that these two dimensions exist within the institution of the four cups of wine, which are the four redemptions of the four decrees of Pharaoh in Egypt and the four redemptions from our exile under the four kingdoms, with the last one being the final redemption through Mashiach bringing us into the world to come. In the verse of the 13 attributes of mercy it says and i quote the verse and the lord the lord passed before him him here means moses and the lord passed before him and proclaimed lord lord benevolent god you may remember this from singing it on yom kippur hashem hashem kel rachum vechanun the first two words are hashem hashem the verse t states twice the ineffable tetragrammaton, which Kabbalah and Hasidus define as one being the higher tetragrammaton and the other being the lower tetragrammaton. The lower tetragrammaton represents the ten emanations of the evolution from the infinite to the finite. These ten emanations are what we were speaking of as we spoke of wisdom, understanding, the six male emotions, and kingship. However, in the higher tetragrammaton, there is a far greater light than the ten emanations of the evolutionary chain of creation. The lower tetragrammaton is the four external truths of Teshuvah, which are the external dimensions of the four cups of wine, which are for the four redemptions from within Egypt itself. The higher tetragrammaton is the four internal truths of the Teshuvah, which are the internal dimension of the four cups of wine, which are for the four redemptions of our exiles under the four kingdoms, which includes the redemption through Mashiach into the world to come. Now the magic of this is that on Passover at the Seder, we drink the four cups of wine of the inner dimension as well which means that we are already drinking and digesting of the higher tetragrammaton and of the redemption of Mashiach and the world to come. In closing, on a very practical level, what we are learning here is how wholesome a relationship is, whether it is our relationship with God or whether it is our relationship with another human being. The four quadrants of a relationship is a powerful journey that must be taken if we are searching for a true and wholesome relationship. None of these four quadrants can be left out. We must first begin within ourselves, 
cleansing our perception and acceptance of ourselves. And then we must cleanse our perception and acceptance of us being loved by another. Only after we have cleansed our perception of self and have accepted ourselves can we then begin to cleanse our perception of the other person's loving us and accept the other person in how he or she loves us. This then leads to the ultimate experience of a relationship in which we cleanse our perception of the other person for who he is and we accept the other person for who he is. This is not the acceptance of the other person for who he is in his relationship with us, but rather it is for he as he is unto himself. This is the pinnacle of a wholesome relationship. I will end with a prayer used in the 12 steps of addiction recovery called the set-aside prayer, which can help us through the four quadrants of a relationship. This is the prayer. Dear God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about a person, a place, or thing so that I may have an open mind and a new experience. Please help me to see the truth about the person, the place, or the thing. Amen. Note, I personally use this prayer to also set aside what I think about myself. So friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solution. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism. <laughs>